Support for the Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. Brewery owners would say, well, we don't know how to reach out to people of color. There isn't a way for us to reach them. Nobody's applying for our jobs. And so we created our job board, which specifically targets people of color. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. A 2019 headline in Food & Wine reads, Craft beer has a diversity problem, Brewers Association report confirms. But this wasn't exactly breaking news for my guest, who'd started tackling the problem years earlier. We'll chat with Letitia Cook of the St. Petersburg nonprofit Beer Culture about the lack of diversity in the craft beverage industry and how to fix it. Alcohol is a conduit for a lot of things. It can be a party starter, a truth serum. It could even be the road to a whole new career path. But for people of color, that road hasn't always been so smooth. Letitia Cook wants to change this. Along with her husband, Dom, Letitia runs Beer Culture. That's culture with a K. It's a nonprofit headquartered in St. Petersburg whose mission is to make the craft beverage industry more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. Beer Culture uses scholarships, internship programs, job boards, and community partnerships to, as its tagline says, change the world one beer at a time. And the movement is getting national attention in articles everywhere from the New York Times to Forbes to the industry website Brewhound. Letitia recently spoke with me about alcohol as a vehicle for social justice, how white people can be good allies, and who she most wants to have a beer with. And of course, I had to ask her for some craft beer recommendations. So let me do a quick little sound check. What's the last beer you drank? That's a good sound check question for you. So the last beer I drank was actually um, Soul Sour. It's a collaboration we just did with a brewery called Athletic Brewing. They are a non-alcoholic beverage producer. Uh, So that was really exciting, especially because I work a lot. (laughs) And so I don't have time to, you know, drink when it involves, you know, high alcohol. So that was really nice to enjoy. Ooh, so a non-alcoholic beer. Yes. Are you like the cool friend that everybody asks recommendations from? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am that person. Okay, I'll be emailing you periodically for the rest of your life. (laughs) It is welcome. That is what we do, right? That is fabulous. Okay, so let's talk about what you do. Sure. So my name is Letitia Cook. My title is the CEO, co-founder, and president of Beer Culture, which is a nonprofit organization. And what we do is we focus on increasing, you know, diversity and inclusion within the craft beverage space. And so automatically people are like, increasing diversity and inclusion within the craft beverage space. Why do you need to do that? As a woman of color, this is tracking for me. What was your overall perception of the craft beer space when you decided to start this nonprofit? 
My overall perception um, when I decided to start was, you know, something needed to change. It needed to be some kind of action. At that point, this was started by my husband, Dom Cook, and he is a very outspoken Black man, and a lot of people don't perceive outspoken Black men very well. And he would, you know, put out there, hey, something is wrong with how things are in this industry. Not limited to the industry, obviously the world, but the industry nonetheless. At that point in time, he was crazy. Uh, you know, people didn't really see, you know, why we had to talk about color at that time or, you know, why this was even a thing. We began having like these panel discussions about, you know, why this is important and why we should discuss things like diversity and inclusion. And it just became a lot of talking at that point and education, but not a lot of action behind, you know, what do we do about this thing now? And so that's why the nonprofit is born. I love that. So how long ago was that, that you and your husband got this off the ground? This was 2017. Whoa. When we first started. That's so um, recent. Yes. And yes. then you've got like, wait, I, I wrote it down here. You've got 12,000 Instagram followers. Yeah, I think there's like 14 now. It's like by the day, they're just coming in by the droves. <laughs> so what happened between 2017 and 2021 that caused the public's perception to go from, why do we need this, to, of course we're on board with this? So I'll say one thing that we pride ourselves on is showing up as 100% our authentic Black selves in this space. I work a job in corporate America. And so, you know, for many years, you have to show up, you know, you got to put on your, your customer service voice and be, you know, the best version of yourself, at least you believe, when you're in a space that, that doesn't identify with who you are. And so, you know, we really felt that it was important to not diminish the beings behind the organization. And people recognize that, you know, people in the community, and I'm not talking about, you know, the professionals, we're talking about the consumers. We're talking about the barbacks and the people who are on the ground who are like, this is real. And we feel this and we feel like, you know, they represent who we are. And so I think that's what really got a lot of the ground for us was that grassroots, you know, on the ground, elbow grease kind of connection with the people. And then obviously, you know, industry professionals, they have to pay attention to that. And so we, we started getting a lot of that, you know, industry attention. And then, you know, people just kind of got on board. How big of a role do you think the recent social justice movement has played in what you do? I would say that it made it slightly easier to get people to understand what's going on. But let's face it, right? This is not something that's new. Injustice has been happening as long as I've been alive. I'm 36, okay? You know, as long as my mother's been alive, my grandmother, my great-grandfather, you know? This isn't anything new that's happening, but what's new is that people are actually starting to pay attention and join in the outrage. And so with, you know, the recent things with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, you know, people are like, oh my God, 
so distraught. This is wrong. Why is this happening? And I think it makes it easier for us to continue the conversation that we've already been having all this time. Well, that's good that something can come out of those tragedies. Okay, when I think of craft beer, the, I guess, avatar that I think of is a white guy with a beard, you know, wearing sandals, holding a craft beer. Don't forget the flannel tee. (laughs) Okay, you said it, (laughs) not me. That's important. Right, so how do you convince someone that the craft beer industry should have always been more inclusive? Because we've already been here. Craft beer is not new to people of color. Craft beer is not new to Afrikaans, okay? We were already creating this beverage. We were already making it. It was already ours. But then you start to look at, you know, how we got here and colonization and, you know, just all of our history and why it became white male dominated. But it wasn't always that. That's just the face that we see. So that's what needed to change. So do you or your husband have a background in the beer industry? Yeah. So my husband is a certified Cicerone, which is equated to a doctor, for example, right? You go to school for these years and you get your doctor, your doctor degree, and now you can practice being a doctor. A Cicerone is someone who, you know, studies, takes an exam, and they're, you know, crowned a Cicerone. And so he's a certified Cicerone. I am a level below that, which is a certified beer server, which is an entry level, level of, you know, beer expertise. That is very cool. So your husband, you're married to a beer doctor. (laughs) And you're like a beer nurse practitioner, I guess. What does it look like for beer culture to disrupt the whiteness of the craft beer industry? Like on a practical level, what are you all specifically doing? So we have a number of programs. One of them is our scholarship program called the This Ain't the Beer That You're Used To Scholarship. Several years ago, my husband wrote a book called This Ain't the Beer That You're Used To. It's a book that targets people of color who are not already into craft beer. It's also a personal story, right? So a little bit of his autobiography. And so this scholarship was born to target people who aren't in the industry, who are looking to enter. What we do is we partner with the Cicerone Certification Program, and we award our scholarship recipients with the means to go through the Cicerone Certification courses and then the testing. So the This Ain't the Beer That You're Used To scholarship pays for all the courses needed to go through uh, the Cicerone program for both level one and level two, and also the testing. We also have internship opportunities that we create in partnership with other businesses. Uh, So for example, right now, we launched an internship with the Bronx Brewery in New York, also in connection with Bronx Connect, who finds employment for people who have recently been incarcerated. And so through that internship, what we do is put them through a production course. We pay them for their time to learn. And then through our job board, we help them get job placement. 
which moves me to the job board. So the job board is in place because, like I said before, when we were talking a lot about race and race relations, brewery owners would say, well, we don't know how to reach out to people of color. There isn't a way for us to reach them. Nobody's applying for our jobs. And so we created our job board, which specifically targets people of color. And the employers get to place their jobs that are available currently within reach of, you know, the demographic that they're trying to reach. And so essentially what we do is just create that access, right? Create a means for for people to get in the door and to have a place and to make money doing so. Are there any specific success stories that come to mind? Yeah, we just shared our internship recipients yesterday. These are, you know, normal people who don't even feel like good things can happen to them, right? When we did our surprise call, we we kind of mocked it as an interview. We were calling them back for a third interview, but what we really were doing was letting them know that we selected them to be our scholarship recipients. And one of them were just floored. Like, you know, I can't believe that I want it. You know, this is this is happening to me. Like last week, I didn't even believe it was possible to enter this space. And now here I am with an internship that's going to pay me to, to learn and to be here. And that's over and over again. Like people deserve to have just that goodness in life. You know, the things that you seek after and, and you want, you deserve for those things to happen to you if you're working hard for them. And so it's just amazing to get to see that over and over each day, you know, as we continue to do this work. Oh, that's got to make you feel really good. That's why you can drink the non-alcoholic beer because you get the buzz from just being around right. these stories. I love yes. that. What have been the yes. biggest challenges for you? The biggest challenges is still the people who still don't see a need. You know, even through all of this, there still are people who are like, this is a made up problem. And so we've just gone and moved past that because there isn't any, you know, talking to people who don't see the problem. So we are working with those who know that it exists and want to be a part of the change. But that's still a very hard thing to come through every single day is is people who just don't get it. Mm, That's such good advice, though, to just kind of keep it moving. Now, I got to ask you, why is it beer culture with a K? You you love the letter K all over your website. Hysterics. <laughs> Hysterics. Okay, so we come from the, the hood, right? So we were born and raised in the Bronx. A lot of our life is just adding, you know, just swag to, to something that's just really simple. And so it's really just as simple as, you know, it's swaggy. That's why <laughs> beer culture with a K. Not with a C because that's basic and boring. Oh, so basic. <laughs> no, I think that's amazing. And you're from New York, so anything you do we're just going to eat it up. But why? We got the drip. You do. Oh, the drip, the sauce, the whole thing. Why is St. Petersburg, Florida, a good hub for this movement? We moved here four years ago. My dad lives in Orlando. And so I'm just going to tell this, this story really brief, if that's okay. Um, he lives in Orlando. And we came to visit. At that point, you know, our son had just passed away. And so we were looking for, for something new, you oh, know, a change so for the family. I'm so sorry. Thank you. I appreciate it. His name was Joshua and he was a beautiful boy. (laughs) But we went to visit my dad in Orlando and we, you know, hopped in the car, left the kids with dad and drove around to a bunch of, you know, surrounding cities. So we came across St. Pete 
And when we were downtown, there was a record store right on the corner of uh, downtown St. Pete. Outside, they had the crates, people were dancing, the music was playing. It was just peace and it was lovely and it was a vibe. You know, it was hot outside. It was, I don't even think it was summer at that point. It was January, actually. It's always um, It was hot outside <laughs> in January. And we're like, this is a vibe. Like, this is a New York vibe, but it's, it's nice. It's got that, you know, Southern feel still. And so we're like, this is the place we want to be. And so it was just as simple as, you know, just having a little bit of like, like peace and happiness. This city is is really progressive. You know, it's a lot of young, thriving entrepreneurs who are, you know, forward thinking, who live here and and who migrate this space and, and make it what it is. And so we're we're just happy to be amongst those who are already doing great things in this city. Yeah, St. Pete is a whole vibe with not only the record stores, but the art galleries, the museums, the just people bringing their dogs everywhere they go and eating on sidewalks of restaurants. So why beer? I know you have a background in beer, but why do you think beer is a good vehicle for the types of societal changes that you're trying to push? So I'll I'll expand it with this because I don't think it's just limited to beer. It's craft beverage in general. So that's beer, that's cider, that's wine. When we think about when you have an alcoholic beverage, right, and you're a little bit intoxicated and you're around a bunch of strangers and you're your authentic, giggly, happy self because you're, you're feeling it a little bit, right? You think about just how vulnerable you become in this space with people and the sharing that happens when you're in a space like that. It's a beautiful thing when we think about just our relationship to alcohol in general. And so I think beer and cider and wine is a great vehicle for people to just connect on a deeper level. I think, you know, with humanity in general, that that's something that brings us together. It's the conduit, right? Beer is just the liquid. Cider is just the liquid, just like juice, you know? But it's what happens when you take part in that that makes it special. So it always comes back to the people and the relationship building that happens when you consume those beverages, not so much the beverages themselves. Yeah, 100%. So who would you most like to have a beer with? Who would I? Oh, wow. That's that's good. Um, if I had to have a beer with somebody, like somebody that I really would like to have a beer with, it would be Jay-Z. I'm going to keep it all the way real. I've been a Jay-Z fan for forever in a day but I just think he has like just this brilliant brain and I'd love to just sit and chop it up with him and just talk you know the liberation of people over a beer with Jay-Z that's my answer yes right there boom I want to be a fly on that wall two New Yorkers you're both so smart and talented you could probably introduce us to Beyonce so It sounds like a pretty good time. That would be the bonus. That would be. Okay, we got to talk about the beer because I can't have you on here and not ask you for some of your recommendations. You gave me one at the top, but what else should we be drinking? What are some of the best beers we don't know about? Okay, so take this with a grain of salt, right? And I'm not just going to say this because they're one of our partners, but I'm going to say it because it's a fact and because it's true. If you've never had a beer at Green Bench Brewing Company, you have not lived life, okay? 
the head brewer there. His name is Chris Johnson. He is a world class brewer. When I tell you the quality of the beverage that you will drink in this space surpasses what you get when you think you've had the best, it does. Oh, that's a great answer. St. Pete Company and Green Bench is a friend of the pod. I interviewed them about their mead, which is honey-based alcohol yes. um, for yes. our honeybee series a while ago. So yeah, that's great. How about one or two more? Um, I'm also going to say Allagash. That's something that you can get pretty much anywhere. And they are so heavily involved within the community. It just, it tastes better because you know that your dollar is, is affecting your community, right? So Allagash is definitely one of those breweries that you want to drink from. Is that in St. Pete? They're not. They're in Maine, actually, um, but in, in most stores. So you can get that at your Kroger's, at your, uh, your Publix, at Walmart. Oh, great. Okay. How about one more uh, Florida brewery? Florida brewery. I'm going to say Zydeco. Go there. Go there now. And have some of their food, too. They've got some bomb chefs in the back who make, like, this New Orleans-style dishes. It's called Zydeco. So it's got the whole, you know, New Orleans feel to it. The brewer there, Paul, he's amazing. Another brewer who just pushes out quality, nothing but quality. You definitely want to drink from them. They're right in uh, Tampa. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for those recommendations. As we start to wrap up here, I want to ask you, what can white people do? People who are not people of color, who are in the majority, it seems like a lot of them have had an awakening in the past year and they want to be good allies. So what can the white guy with the beard and the flannel shirt holding the glass of, you know, craft beer, like what's his role in this? Um, My advice is always to listen Um, listen to those people of color who are speaking, who are letting you know what their experiences are and what it's like in this space. Listen to them and then be a part of the change, right? A lot of people are scared to step out and to help and to assist because they're they're scared of the backlash that they're going to get from family, friends, or even people of color who who could, you know, blame them for, for things that they're doing. But one thing that you have to do is step out. We're not going to do better if we don't do it together. And true allyship, really giving a damn, and I'm just going to be, you know, I don't know if I can say damn on here, but really giving a damn about what's happening in the world and deciding to be a part of what's going to change it. Partnership, true partnership with people on the ground who are, you know, affecting change. Partner with those people. Elevate those voices. Engage with them. Really, really be a part. Oh, that's so inspiring. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. And before I let you go, I have to ask you, this is like a selfish question for me, but you talked about how you work a lot. And I noticed that in even scheduling this interview, you were careful to work around the breaks that you'd set aside for yourself. So can you talk about the role that self-care plays in being someone in this industry, whether it's craft beverages or restaurant workers. I mean, you guys, you work a lot. So can you give us a quick, I don't know, pep talk? How do you hold on to yourself? I mean, you're a wife, you're a mother, you're an entrepreneur. How do you 
keep it together. And I'm here taking notes on everything you say. <laughs> no, please. Um, so this, this is very important. And I'm preaching to the choir here because I don't always do this perfectly. So full disclosure, when I was on vacation a couple weeks ago, I worked for 80% of it. And then I took, you know, the other, the other 20 and made sure that I gave myself that time to rest. I manage, you know, two stores in my day life. I run beer culture full time. You know, I am a wife. I am a mother of three teenage children. And there's just not enough hours in the world to accomplish everything and everything perfectly. One thing that I tell people is, is partnership is so important. And so I partner in life with my spouse, with my children, with my friends and my team. So when I need time away, I partner with my team. Hey team, this is what I need right now. Can I place this on you? Or do you have you know the capacity to handle this right now? If the answer is yes, great. If not, no, we'll put it somewhere else. But partnering with people who are gonna help you to take the time to rest when you need it. We do a lot of important things, a lot of important work. And if you're tired and you're burnt out, you're not going to accomplish it. And it's, it's going to fail. And we can't have it fail, right? When we think about the lives that are dependent on the work that we do, we have to be successful in it. And that it requires me to, to rest, you know, it, it requires me to put the phone away. So turn the tablet off, turn the computer off and sit and just be still with my own thoughts and my family, right? Because your, your ministry starts at home. So you can't go save the world if the house is on fire. Um, so take care of yourself, be gentle with yourself, extend to yourself the same love that you are extending to the world that you're trying to stop from burning on fire. Oh, preach. That was, I needed to hear that. Letitia Cook, is there anything else that you would like to talk about? You, queen. <laughs> you, yes. But that's, that's for another day, right? We have to have a beer together soon. Maybe we'll even invite Jay-Z. Shut the front door. <laughs> We're out. It's a date. Letitia Cook is CEO, co-founder, and president of Beer Culture. We've got links to her brewery recommendations and her husband Dom Cook's book, This Ain't the Beer That You're Used To, A Beginner's Guide to Good Beer. Just head to our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Dalia Colon. I produce The Zest with help from Cheyenne Jaglau and Mark Hayes. Copyright 2021, WUSF Public Media. Mm-hmm.